Good morning. A little chilly out there this morning, but helps to wake you up, right? Romans chapter 11 is what we're going to take a look at today. Good to see everybody that is here. Uh, there are some outlines back there. Uh, you may have noticed if you already picked up an outline, this one's a little more extensive than a lot. <laughs> and so there's a reason for that. Uh, Romans chapter 11 is a little deeper than some chapters, and so I uh, give a lot of consideration to this. I think Marilyn asked me, are you going to be here two hours looking at this outline? <laughs> we'll try to beat that time by a little bit. But, uh, uh, I don't apologize. That's just a lot, of, a lot of good doctrinal information there contained in Romans chapter 11. So we want to really dig into it, dive into it today, and I hope that you'll be appreciative and that uh, the things I have to say will be beneficial for you this morning. So the title of the lesson is God's Plan for the Jew and Jew, because Paul is going to be talking about both the Jew and the Gentile there. In Romans chapter 11, God has not rejected his people. That's the point that Paul is going to make to begin with. And then in Romans 11, God has a plan for both the Jew and the Gentile. And in Romans 11, it reveals how both can be saved by faith. So there's Five points. My wife took a deep breath when I said there were going to be a five points. Uh, but I'm going to try to... What? Yeah, I did. Last week I forgot to turn that on. So just a little inside joke. I came back up here Sunday evening and I re-preached that lesson from last Sunday. So it's on the website. That's because I preached to an empty auditorium. It's different when you preach to nobody's here. So thanks for being here today, Okay. <laughs> All right, five points. God has not rejected his people. God hardened their hearts. That's the Jews. We'll take a look at that. Through the Gentiles, God provokes the Jews to jealousy. And the Gentiles were grafted in through obedience to the faith. And so this is the way in which all Israel will be saved. And so as we take a look at this this morning, I broke those verses or this uh, 27 verses is what we're going to take a look at this morning. And so... Uh, Mark read verses 1 through 20. I'm going to give you just a real quick quick breakdown of the way I did this. In verses 1 through 6, God has not rejected his people. 7 through 10, God hardened the hearts of the rebellious Israelites, bringing in the Gentiles. And then in verse 11 through 15, salvation of Gentiles was done to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And then in verses 16 through 24, The Gentiles were grafted in through obedience to the faith. And then in verse 25 through 27, in this manner, all Israel will be saved. As you take a look at Romans chapter 11, at the conclusion of Romans 10, Paul had given a quotation from Isaiah and he said that the nation of Israel were a disobedient and contrary people. At the beginning of chapter 10, though, Paul said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And so chapter 11 will follow, and as he begins... He's going to show that God has not rejected His people. The problem is that His people have been rebellious against Him. And so He's going to show how they can be made righteous. And so, Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, 
God has not rejected His people. So I'll just read that as we begin. I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people, whom He foreknew. Or or do you not know that the Scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. The issue, once again, God has not rejected His people. The question then, is it possible that they can be saved? The emphatic answer to that is yes. And so what Paul does is he begins chapter 11 is he gives two illustrations. The very first illustration that he gives is himself. He says, For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. What's Paul saying? I'm just like you. I am a Jew. I am an Israelite. And I have been saved. But what he's pleading for them to do is to listen to him What he has to say. Because over in 1 Timothy, the first chapter, in about verse 15, when Paul spoke of himself, he said, I was the chief of sinners, but he had received mercy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. See what Paul's saying? I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. I've been saved. I want you to listen to me. This is what I believe. This is what I practice. And my heart's desire is for Israel to be saved. I want my brethren to be saved. But then he goes on. So the first illustration is himself. And the very next illustration that he gives is that of Elijah. Listen to verse 3. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I alone am left, and they seek my life. Isn't it interesting that we're just getting ready to start studying the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to talk about Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God and served him faithfully until that moment when he runs for Horeb, and now he's concerned about his life, and he's telling God, I'm the only one. And God essentially is saying, Elijah, you're not the lone ranger. You're not the only one. Actually, there's 7,000 others out there, Elijah, that have not bowed the knee to Baal. So why does Paul use that illustration? Because that's the way in which Elijah felt. He was the only one. The nation had turned away from God. They were now following after Baal. They were living in unbelief. And so Paul goes on to say, just like there were 7,000 
There's a remnant. And so the point that he wants to get straight across to them at this moment in time is, it's not all Israel. There's a remnant. And so I'm telling you about this remnant that has been saved. Just like in Elijah's time. There was a remnant. There were those within the nation that were still faithful to God. God had not rejected the whole nation. You see the point? God has not rejected the whole nation, Israel. So you've got to think about this, just like it was in Elijah's time. Verse 5, Even so at this time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Well, well who are they? Who is that that hasn't been rejected? And so Paul wants his brethren to stop a minute, kind of scratch their head and think about that. Well, if he hasn't rejected the whole nation, well, who is it that remains? That's that remnant. And he says, those who are chosen according to the election of grace. So he wants them to think about that. It's not because of your physical descendants. It's not because of the bloodline of Abraham. That's not what determines it. You know, the book of Romans is one of the most doctrinal books in the New Testament. You have to follow Paul's line of reasoning all the way through. So if you back up to Romans chapter 9, about verse 6, Paul says, They are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. You see what I'm saying? Just because you're of this bloodline, that doesn't mean you are a true Israelite. That doesn't mean that you are a true Jew. Back up a little further. Romans chapter 2, about verse 28. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Galatians 3 and verse 7, listen to what he says. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. See what Paul's doing? Now we're getting down to it. (laughs) You think you're a Jew because you're descended from Abraham? Wrong. (laughs) Who's a true Jew? It's one that is one inwardly, not outwardly. Who's the sons of Abraham? The ones who are of faith. So Paul's making his point. This is how God's making that choice. He's not rejected all. But there's a remnant. And you want to identify that remnant? This is the way to go about it. You want to know if you're a part of that remnant? This is the way to go about it. Chapter 10 and verse 21, He has said, All day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God's not rejected 
his people. His people had turned away from him. Just like in the days of Elijah. But just like in the days of Elijah, there's a remnant. You see the point that Paul's making? There's a remnant according to the election of grace. Now I want to share another passage with you. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What? (laughs) The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. How did that grace appear? Jesus Christ. So you know what Paul's doing in Romans? He's urging his brethren, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus Christ. Because what have a lot of them done? They had rejected Jesus Christ. So you do you want God's grace? Well, this is the way it appeared. So if you want God's grace, you've got to choose Jesus. Isn't that funny? That's the election of grace. You know what Paul's saying in a nutshell? You want to know what the election of grace is? You want to know how God chooses people? God chooses those who choose Him. Isn't that something? His grace appeared. It was Jesus. Did you choose Him or did you reject Him? If you choose Him, God chooses you. God chooses those who choose Him. God has not rejected you. He wants you to know how He's elected you. Could I be a politician? (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a political phrase? God's not rejected you. He wants you to know how He's elected you. So secondly, God hardened their hearts. Verse 7. Romans 11 and verse 7. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their backs always. Verse 7, Paul says, Israel has not obtained what it seeks. Well, what was it seeking? Righteousness. God's favor. But in chapter 10 and verse 3, Paul says they were ignorant of God's righteousness. And they were seeking to establish their own righteousness and win God's approval through the works of the law. And in seeking to establish their own righteousness, they failed to submit to the righteousness of God. 
Listen to chapter 9 of it again. Verse 31 32. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Who was the stumbling stone? Jesus Christ. They thought that righteousness could be attained, that righteousness could be achieved through the law. They were never going to achieve righteousness that way. Now listen to verse 9 and 10 that Paul quotes from. David says, Let their table be a snare to them. Let their table. What's that mean? You know what that means? That means their religious food. If you sit at my table, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have my food. And so David says, let, let their religious table, or let their table be a snare to them. And so what have they been fed? They had been fed the law. But they misunderstood the law. Romans chapter 10. For Christ is the end of the law to righteousness. The law was intended to bring them to Jesus Christ. To help them to see their need for Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says over in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. For the law was a tutor to bring us to Jesus Christ. But instead of their table bringing them to Christ, they thought they could achieve righteousness through the law. The law was intended to bring them to Christ so that they could have righteousness by faith. And they stumbled. They rejected Christ. In verse 7 he says, but the elect, they have obtained it. A righteousness that is by faith. They had accepted Christ. There were some Jews that accepted Christ. But he says the rest, they were blinded. They couldn't see it. The Gospel of John. John chapter 1, about verses 10 and 12. 10 through 12. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. See that? Generally speaking, he came to his own, and they didn't receive him. But to those who did, He gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe on His name. Those are the ones who are the true children of God. Listen to the book of Galatians again. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see that? You accept Christ? That's by faith? That's what makes you a true descendant of Abraham. But when Jesus came, for a lot of them, He wasn't what they were looking for. And so God hardened their hearts. What's that mean? It just simply means they weren't pleased with the way God was going about salvation. (laughs) It's not what we want. And so they rejected Him. First missionary journey. The Apostle Paul. Acts 13, about verse 46. They have now made it all the way to Antioch of Pisidia. They have gone into the synagogue. They have gone among the Jews. And they're being chased out of town, essentially. And so you know what Paul says? He says, since you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. If you don't want to listen, we came to you first. But if you're not going to listen, we're going to go to the Gentiles. Did God know that? God knew exactly that was going to happen. But you know what God had in mind? I don't want to lose those Jews. (laughs) I love that nation. I love those people. I want them to be saved. That's what Paul said in Romans 10. So you know what I'm going to do? God's saying, I'm going to provoke those Jews to jealousy through these Gentiles. (laughs) Romans chapter 11, 11 through 15. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? That's a whole mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> Lot said in just a few words. In verse 11 he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Have they stumbled to fall? Do you know what he's saying? Have they sinned in such a way it's just irrevocable? That they're just lost? Paul said, no, that's not what it is at all. But rather, through their fall, salvation came to the Gentiles. You know, a lot of times we look at Acts 13, and we say, well, here's Paul, he's preaching to these Jews, and they've rejected him, and so he goes, well, then I'm just turning to the Gentiles. Whoa, hold the phone. 
That's not where that fall began. That fall began way before that. That fall began when they rejected Jesus while He was walking among them. And while He was walking among them and they rejected Him, they were also the cause of Him being crucified. That's the fall. And through their fall, then the Gentiles can be brought in. Their fall, verse 12, brought riches to the world. See what he's saying? God knew what was going to happen. He knew these Jews were going to reject Jesus Christ. They knew that Jesus Christ would end up, or he knew that Jesus would end up being crucified. But that was God's plan all along. <laughs> that He would send His Son. John 3.16, right? God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe should not perish. That was the plan all along. And so Jesus was crucified. That was the sacrifice for the whole world. And through their fall, the gospel was brought to the Gentiles. I want you to notice the last part of verse 12. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. You know what that means? What if those same Jews had that have rejected Jesus Christ? What if they now turn? Wouldn't that be good? Would that be good? That would be good. What Paul say in Romans 10? Brethren, my heart's desire is that Israel will be saved if their fall brought blessings to the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Would that be a blessing if the Jew would turn and accept Jesus Christ? Isn't that what Jesus prayed for in John the 17th chapter? The night He was betrayed. He prayed that they might all be one. Why? That the world may believe. That you sent me. What a blessing. Jew and Gentile. Worshiping God. Serving Jesus Christ together. Verse 15. For if their being cast away is reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? 
just prior to this in verse 13 and 14, he said, I magnify. I magnify my ministry to the Gentiles. Why? Because I want my brethren to see the blessings that the Gentiles are enjoying in Jesus Christ. Maybe a Jew will scratch his head and go, what are they so happy about anyway? (laughs) They're saved. You can be too. And if you turn, your acceptance will be like life from the dead. Isn't that interesting? You've been broken off, separated from God, spiritually dead, because you rejected Jesus Christ. Well, I've got a question there. Did Paul ever say anything like that to a Gentile? Well, it just so happens that he did. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul is talking to the Gentiles. And he says, And you, Gentiles, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead. Verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy made you alive. Verse 5. You've been saved by grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God lest any man should boast. Does that sound like what Paul is saying to the Gentiles is exactly the same things he's saying to the Jews? Your righteousness is not going to be by keeping that law because you can't keep it. If you're going to have righteousness, if you're going to be saved, it's going to be by faith. Not by that law. That law was intended to bring you to Jesus Christ. Acts 2, verse 23, on the day of Pentecost. Peter, a Jew, is the one who's preaching. Preaching to Jews. And he says, You, by lawless hands, have taken him and crucified him and put him to death. You rejected him. You stumbled. But did you stumble so as to fall? No, you can come back. You know what you have in Romans 11? You have Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son contained in Romans 11. Do you remember that? When that son went away from home and and he spent all of his money on riotous living, and finally he came to realize where he was, and he said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go home. And he got up and he went home. And when his father saw him coming, He ran and fell on his death. Time to rejoice. Why? He says, because this my son was dead and now he's alive. Time to rejoice. Time to rejoice. Paul says, if you come back, it'll just be like life 
from the dead? Have they stumbled so as to fall? Now Paul's saying, you can come home. (laughs) You can come home. So the Gentiles were grafted in through obedience to the faith. Verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in. For if you were cut out of an if you were cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Got that? Now he's speaking to the Jew. He's hitting home. There's something they can understand. So he uses a couple of illustrations that the Jewish mind is going to readily grasp. He's going to say, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy. If the root is holy, the branches are holy also. So two metaphors. It's about a harvest, and then it's about a planted tree. Planted and it grows. Got that? Talking about a harvest, first fruits, and the lump. Then he's talking about an olive tree and its branches. Harvest, something planted, and it grows. So Leviticus 23. Now there's various other places. This is mentioned also in Numbers 15, and Exodus chapter 23, but Leviticus 23. They were to bring the first fruit of the harvest to the priest. And he would wave a sheaf before the Lord. So before they could partake, they bring the first fruits. That's offered. And they would be accepted by the Lord. First, make that sacrifice to the Lord. After the first fruit is offered, then the whole harvest becomes holy, accepted, consecrated, set apart. So when God accepted the part, then they understood He accepted the whole. Can we see that? So 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. Christ 
is the first fruits from the dead. God accepted him. How do I know that? Because he was raised from the dead? <laughs> That's how I know. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Christ is the first fruits from the dead. So the gospel was preached on Pentecost, Acts 2. And that's the harvest. So if he accepted Christ, the first fruits, he's going to accept those others that are back from the dead. That's part of the harvest. Colossians 1 and verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Except the first part, he accepts the rest. Now verse 16b. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Israel sprang from Abraham and the promises that were made to him. That's the root. And through Jacob, his descendants became the branches. So Abraham called, set apart, living by faith, accepted by God, relying on God's promises. And then his descendants can be accepted by God. Romans 4, back up again. Speaking about Abraham, he's the father of all who believe. So how are the Jews going to be grafted back in? Verse 23. They also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. How is that? By faith. That's according to the election of grace. You choose him, he chooses you. So really, the figure of the olive tree really illustrates God's fairness in the scheme of redemption. Israel's trespass in crucifying Christ made possible the salvation of the world. But the Jews in the process were broken off. But that's what made it possible for the Gentiles to be grafted in through faith. And they become partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Can we see that? God was bringing blessings to the world through the descendants of Abraham, through Abraham and his descendants. They shared in those spiritual blessings. That's how Jesus came into the world. So in verses 19 through 24, Paul summarizes the condition of the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles grafted in because of their belief. In verse 20, he says, you stand, talking to the Gentiles, you stand by faith. The Jews had been broken off because of unbelief. But if they do not continue in that unbelief, verse 23, they can be grafted back in. Can you see that? They become partakers once again. So the fifth point, verses 25 through 27. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel 
until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. And a mystery is just something that has to be revealed. And what Paul has revealed in this context is how the hardening came upon the Jews and the gospel was preached to the Gentiles and the fullness is made available to both Jew and Gentile. That's the fullness. I want you to notice verse 25 and I want you to notice verse 12. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That blindness happened until the fullness of the Gentiles could come in. The Gentiles could fully receive the blessings through Jesus Christ. Let me emphasize this and make this plain. Nowhere in this context... Nowhere is there ever numbers mentioned. Never. You read various commentaries. I've spent a lot of time this week reading them. (laughs) And there's people that want to attach numbers. Well, there's got to be just a certain number of Gentiles. That's not a 42nd cousin to what Paul's talking about. The fullness is the fullness of that blessing through Jesus Christ in the gospel. Now notice verse 12. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Whose fullness? The Jews? (laughs) They're being fully blessed through Jesus Christ and through the gospel. Once again, there are certain ones that want to say, oh, well, that's, that's a certain amount of Jews. <laughs> or that's a number. Or, sometimes they say all Jews. Well, I would suggest back up and read the rest of the book of Romans. Because from the beginning to the end, Romans 1 and verse 5, Romans 16 about verse 26. Those are the bookends to the book of Romans. And Paul has talked about obedience to the faith. And anybody that chooses Jesus Christ, God will choose them. But you have to believe and become obedient to Him. Peter, a Jew, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, talking to a Gentile, says that God is no respecter of persons. And sometimes... Commentators want to suggest that all Israel is going to be saved. It's not what he's talking about. They want to say past Jews, present Jews, future Jews. It's not what he's talking about. Until the fullness comes in. Both Jew and Gentile fully blessed through Jesus Christ and the gospel. So he says, so all Israel, verse 26, 
so all Israel will be saved. You know what that means? So, some translations will render it this way. In this manner. That's what he's saying. In this manner, all Israel will be saved. Same manner as the Gentile. Same manner for the Jew. In that manner, all will be saved. It's the same for them. It's the same for me. It's the same for Jew. It's the same for Gentile. In this manner, all Israel will be saved. Acts chapter 15. Peter is the one who's doing the speaking. And he says, and he made no distinction. Talking about what God did. And he made no distinction between us and them. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe. That's a Jew speaking. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved in the same manner as they. That's what Paul's been saying all through Romans 11. It's the same for Jew and Gentile. That's the way Paul started the book of Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. To who? <laughs> to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. In verse 26 and 27 he says, the deliverer came out of Zion. That's a little bit different wording than what you oftentimes find in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament he'll talk about the deliverer comes to Zion. And now when it's quoted here in Romans 11 he says the deliverer came out of Zion. You know what he's saying? He's a Jew. <laughs> he was a Jewish Messiah. Keep that in mind Gentiles. You don't support the root. The root supports you. And so don't boast against the branches that were cut off and say, oh, well, they got cut off. And look at me. <laughs> he said, don't do that. You stand by faith. Same way they did. And keep in mind, that deliverer came out of Zion. In verse 26, it says, He, the deliverer, will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's the descendants of Abraham. And he will turn them away from ungodliness. How? Same way he turned the Gentile. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. So he says, this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Through the seed of Abraham, their sins could be taken away. Galatians 3, once again, verse 26 through 29. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's what Paul said. Salvation has come to Jew and Gentile, but it's came in the same way. God had not rejected His people. They could be saved. 
And God had a plan all along for both the Jew and the Gentile. It was by faith. Faith in His Son. And the Gospel would be preached to all, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And those who choose to believe can be saved and those who do not will be lost. That's the election of grace. God chooses those who choose Him. So that's all I got to say about Romans 11. <laughs> and we weren't here two hours, were we? <laughs> a little short. But I encourage you to take the outline, take a serious look at it. Romans 11 is a difficult and challenging chapter. If you have things that you see that you agree with, let me know. If you see things that you don't agree with, let me know. Be glad to talk about it. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you've never rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you're a child of God and you need to make your life right with Him, then let us know while together we stand and while we sing.